0: Dr. Henry gets her shot. The emotional moment for frontline workers. I've been praying for this
1: to come for a very long time and it's just very overwhelming.
2: The youngest victims of the pandemic.
3: We went through so much in a short period of time that we don't want any other parents to have to go through the same thing.
2: A little girl recovering from COVID 19's mysterious complications.
0: And ice bombs and broken windshields.
1: All of a sudden, my windshield just buckled in and I just
0: became hysterical. Drivers wonder how preventative measures failed again. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Today marks the third day in a row that B.C. has posted fewer new COVID-19 infections.
0: There's still a long way to go, but the data certainly is encouraging. Let's take a look. We have 444 new cases. That's our lowest daily case count since the surge began November 5th. Total cases in B.C. are 47,510. Sadly, 12 more people lost their lives, which means 777 people have now died from complications of the virus. 357 are in hospital, 84 of them in the ICU. 36,094 people are considered recovered. And that leaves us with 9,481 active cases and 9,723 people in self-isolation. We'll bring in Keith Baldry right now. Keith, uh, more context on those numbers, obviously. Now, Mm -hmm. the daily case count, as we mentioned, is the lowest since, since the surge began. But often that has a lot to do with testing.
4: Yeah, there wasn't a lot of testing yesterday, just a little more than 6,000 tests, I think a little more than 6,000 the day before. But it is encouraging. Our positivity rate remains low. Uh, so the numbers are trending in the right direction, we're, we're, we're sort of uh, leveling out but at a higher plateau than it really is, uh, people are comfortable with. But the active numbers, I want to take a closer look at those 9,400 plus active case numbers because it tells a story of how the geography of COVID-19 has shifted in the last month in BC. Take a look at the current active cases and how they break down geographically. Surrey, again, right now is the epicenter of the pandemic with the lion's share of the cases, 75% and the biggest growth rate. But take a look at the next two categories. Uh, the Interior Health and Northern Health has suddenly surged past Vancouver Coastal and Vancouver Island. Uh, Vancouver Coastal actually having a decline in active, ca- uh, uh, active cases in the course of a month and where we're really seeing increases in the Interior and the North and a decline on Vancouver Island as well. This has been a pattern that was developed about three weeks ago and it's becoming enhanced. Vancouver Coastal it's great news. If you've got a big populated region region, such as Vancouver Coastal, but basically leveling off like this, that means it can be done in other health authorities as well. So fingers crossed, we're going to start seeing this in the other health authorities as well. Just not seeing it right now. But again, it's encouraging. The last three days have been below 550 cases a day. We haven't seen a pattern like this for a long time. And hopefully it's not just an you know, a, a, a anomaly. A, it's going to be something that's actually real going forward. But again, we'll know more when we test more. If we test more and don't find as much COVID, that's going to be great news, but we're not there yet
0: to keep the trend up through christmas
4: too and exactly. that's going to be tough all right thanks very much keith now to that huge moment in
0: the COVID 19 fight bc's top doctor getting her vaccine today
1: should i close for the shot <laughs> <laughs> okay yes. <Here> we go.
0: <laughs> dr bonnie henry was vaccinated with the pfizer vaccine this morning in the island health region her shot followed a long-term care worker who was the first on Vancouver Island to be vaccinated. B.C.'s first batch of the vaccine has been allocated to the hard-hit health care sector, especially those who work with seniors. Both said the shot was fairly painless and similar to getting the flu shot.
1: How does it feel? It feels we all have to well, or should get it done. So to be a role model, it'll be good. You know what? Physically, I barely felt a thing at all. But, you know, mentally, this is so important. And I'm so grateful to the team here. And it's really my way of showing how confident we are in the vaccine.
0: Dr. Henry is encouraging everyone to get vaccinated as more doses become available in the coming weeks and months.
2: A little girl in North Vancouver is finally home after spending days in hospital battling a rare syndrome linked to COVID-19. Her family, given the best gift they could ask for just days before Christmas. Rumina Dea has more on Jillian's fight and what we know about the multi-system
5: inflammatory syndrome. Ten-year-old Jillian Rondeau is a little tired, but feeling great, says her extremely relieved father.
3: She came home from the hospital yesterday afternoon and has been in good spirits since and catching up on lost time with her siblings.
5: Jillian contracted COVID-19 in November, along with most of her family. About three weeks later, just when everyone thought they were in the clear, Jillian's condition worsened.
3: The first week of December, she started complaining about a tummy ache and a a fever. Uh, So my wife, Tara... Uh, did what she could and and managed the fever as best as she could and then we just felt it was time that we uh, reached out to our family physician uh, who then uh, referred us to Lionsgate Hospital to get some x-rays done.
5: The little girl who has light asthma was diagnosed with multi-system inflammatory syndrome for children. Miss C is a very rare condition linked to the COVID-19 virus. Jillian was rushed to BC Children's Hospital where she spent 10 days.
3: You don't ever expect your kids to get sick and to this extent. And it happened so quickly to us Uh, and we went through so much in a short period of time that we don't want any other parents to have to go through the same thing.
5: The health ministry confirms four cases of the rare syndrome in the province. A small number, says BC Children's Hospital, given more than a 1,000 children, have contracted COVID-19. It's not something parents need to worry, they're going to miss it, says Dr. Kevin Harris, a pediatric cardiologist at BC Children's. It's a case where the child would appear very sick and parents would be bringing their child to the doctor for evaluation. MIS-C can be serious, even deadly, but most children recover with medical care. Symptoms include persistent fever, stomach pain, vomiting, diarrhea, rash, or redness in fingers or toes.
3: We were at a point where we didn't know we would be home for the holidays. Uh, so we want to share our story to ensure that people learn from it. Romina Daya, Global News.
0: BC's tourism sector has been handed a lifeline, one that can't come soon enough for struggling businesses.
5: A big increase
2: in emergency grant funding is on the way. But as Kylie Stanton reports, while stakeholders are applauding the move, they say more still needs to be done.
1: Between the empty cruise ships, airports, hotels and restaurants, tourism in British Columbia is a shell of what it once was, leaving the sector that was generating $2.5 billion a year in revenue desperate. It is no secret that COVID has been hard on people working in the tourism sector. In response to recommendations put forward in a report by the Tourism Task Force, the provincial government announced Tuesday help is on the way. It's a total of $105 million is now designated for people and businesses who work in the tourism industry. But the clock is ticking. For fast access, the funding will be delivered through the province's small and medium-sized business recovery grant program. And here's the breakdown. $55 million is being added to the $50 million made available back in September. $100 million of that will go to a dedicated funding stream for tourism businesses. The remaining $5 million is earmarked for BC's Indigenous tourism sector.
6: This gives me confidence that Indigenous operators have a chance to survive this crisis.
1: But the funding falls short of what the sector has been calling for. It estimates $680 is what's needed to survive. There's also concern larger businesses, not eligible for relief, are being left behind. The fear is once the tourists start to return, there won't be anything to come back to. We need those businesses to survive. And right now, it is very, very certain if they don't get relief measures that they will not survive. While the application process is being streamlined and simplified, critics say there's still too much red tape, and it's too little, too late. This government doesn't take action immediately. They are just taking their time. They don't see the urgency of this ailing tourism industry. There are still four more recommendations in the report that need to be addressed. The government says they will take some time to work through. But this announcement is a start. Our hope and our laser-focused objective is to get money out the door as quickly as possible. Kylie
0: Stanton, Global News. The provincial government is now capping the fees being charged by app-based food delivery services. Under the new rules, delivery fees charged by services like Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, and Uber Eats are being capped at 15%, while other service fees are being capped at 5%. The changes are designed to help B.C.'s struggling restaurant operators keep more of their revenue as they deal with the impact of pandemic restrictions. This is one of the areas
7: that the, uh, the restaurant industry has said that uh, they need uh, significant help. Uh, this, this is a, a direct request from them uh, to put this cap in place.
0: Uh, that's why they're doing it. They see this as being uh, uh, an important uh, step uh, in helping the, uh, the industry uh, not only stabilize, but in terms of them being able
7: to survive and get through this pandemic.
2: Eight years after they first started falling, ice bombs once again damaged at least 33 vehicles crossing the Portman Bridge during yesterday's snowstorm.
0: The frightening experience has those drivers asking how it can keep happening and why they're now having to jump through hoops with ICBC. Grace Key reports.
8: Kimberly Eastwood was out Christmas shopping Monday afternoon when falling ice hit her car as she was driving over the Portman Bridge. And I was thinking to myself, oh, thank goodness
1: it hasn't snowed or iced too much, and I'm not going to have to worry about those ice bombs. And about 10 seconds later, it hit the windshield.
8: Terrified and covered in shattered glass, Kimberly had only this small corner of her windshield to look out of as she continued across the bridge with a semi truck right behind her. Like I could have
1: died. If I hadn't had the wherewithal of not stopping on that bridge if that that semi would have
8: hit me she wasn't the only one hit brandon watson and his wife were in the hov lane when they were struck
9: we literally had a car right in front and behind us so there was nowhere to go and it just perfectly smashed into the front windshield
8: and ice fell on bruce mcmillan's car as he was coming into work it was just a huge boom it scared uh out of me and
10: uh, to the windshield wipers were going and i noticed the whole front windshield was all smashed up
8: Ice also fell in 2012 when the bridge opened Again in 2016, and this was back in January In 2013, cable collars were added to remove snow and ice The Ministry of Transportation says staff were on site all day Monday. Five rounds of cable collar drops were made and they've proven successful in the past. However, as they drop, the collars may miss some accumulations and some snow can shed naturally as the weather warms or as it is blown off by wind. I want them to know that you know they're gonna be responsible for somebody's
1: death or somebody's serious, serious injury and something needs to be done.
8: Playing Russian roulette every time you come across the bridge in the snow. ICBC received 33 claims for falling ice over the Portman on Monday. Since the bridge opened in 2012, there have been more than 600 claims. The Ministry of Transportation will be charged for deductibles if it's determined damage was caused by falling snow on the bridge. Grace Key, Global News.
2: And it was a long, cold night for a B.C. man left stranded by the snowstorm. The 19-year-old was driving for work yesterday when conditions became treacherous as he was trying to get home from Penticton. He was able to get to Manning Park Resort along Highway 3, passing dozens of vehicles in the ditch on his way. But with both Highway 3 and the Coquihalla shut down he was stranded along with many others. He asked for a room at the resort, but he was told due to COVID-19 and capacity, they were not able to accommodate him.
9: And I took a blanket to my vehicle and just, I left my truck running for about 15 minutes. So it'd be warm in there, turned it off, slept for about two hours and then turned it back on. So the truck could warm up and make sure that like everything outside was, was okay. I wasn't going to get snowed in and there were still vehicles that were running probably all night beside me. So I was up and down every two hours to make sure I stayed warm. Because I wasn't in my own vehicle, I was in a company vehicle, I was not as prepared as I normally am. I had bought a snow shovel from Canadian Tire on my way out of Penticton so I could weigh down the back of the truck. And I bought a bag of chips and a granola bar.
2: Highway 3 and Highway 5 both reopened this morning, allowing Cooper Lepke to finally get home. We did reach out to Manning Park Resort, but have not received comments.
0: A mother speaks out after her daughter's baffling death in the hospital. Natasha Forey was sent home twice with painkillers alone. And when she came back the last time, it was too late to save her. The tough questions her mother is asking about the quality of care Natasha received in just over a minute.
2: A train goes off the tracks and ignites what it was carrying and how it brought traffic to a standstill on the I-5 today, coming up on the News Hour.
0: And Santa's little helper makes a comeback after a very close call. How doctors pulled off a Christmas miracle coming up a little later.
2: Right now, though, family and friends of a 29-year-old North Vancouver woman are asking what went wrong at Lionsgate Hospital that led to her death.
0: Natasha Forey was in excruciating pain and had been sent home from the ER twice before finally being admitted to the ICU where she died of a staph infection. Nadia Stewart reports.
11: The circumstances surrounding the death of Anne Forey's daughter have her questioning BC's health care system.
12: I was crying and she said, Mom, don't cry. And those were actually the last words that my daughter said to me.
11: On October 2nd, Natasha Forey went to Lionsgate Hospital, complaining of pain from a cyst. It was drained and she was sent home. Then on October 9th, just one week later, the pain returned. This time, even more excruciating. After spending the day in the ER, she was eventually sent home with painkillers. But the following day... She could barely walk, to be honest. Natasha's friend Lindsay Scott drove her back to Lionsgate. By the end of the day, she was sent home a second time. On the morning of October 11th, the 29-year-old called her mother. She was having difficulty breathing, the pain increasing. An ambulance took her back to Lionsgate again, where her condition deteriorated, and she was moved to ICU. This time, her mother was allowed in, and it was a conversation with one of the doctors that first raised a number of concerns.
12: And I said, well, could this have anything to do with the cyst on October 2nd that was drained? He's, he seemed quite surprised and said that that was the first they'd kind of heard of that, which, you know, was very
11: alarming to me because it's like it's in her chart. Not long after this exchange, Natasha was rushed into surgery, an exploratory procedure to determine whether this was a flesh-eating infection, he says. But Natasha did not survive, going into cardiac arrest and dying in the OR. An autopsy revealed the presence of a staph infection. One for he says, should have been caught sooner. The staph infection
12: did go up into the stomach and then into the lungs. Her x-ray on the Friday was clear and the x-ray on the Sunday was full of fluid. I believe that Saturday was her last chance Uh, to turn this around and had they not sent her home on the saturday night like 1am she might
11: have had a fighting chance even though the family gave its consent for vancouver coastal health to speak with us they declined saying an internal review will help them improve care but the family says natasha's death was preventable adding insult to injury
9: so unless she's a breadwinner uh there's there is nothing that they can do i was shocked you know i was shocked and you know the more lawyers i called and The more I heard this, the angrier I got.
11: BC's Family Compensation Act stipulates that unless the deceased has dependents, there's no legal recourse in cases where wrongful death is alleged. This despite the BC Wrongful Death Law Reform Society having already proposed legislation. The family is now calling for change, hoping government is listening. Nadia Sur, Global News.
0: And in an email to Global News, a spokesperson from the Ministry of the Attorney General says government plans to examine the concerns raised by Forey and others, adding they believe there is a need for reform in this area. The statement goes on to say this is a priority for the ministry, which plans to address it in this current mandate.
2: The Vancouver Island Integrated Major Crime Unit is investigating the sudden death of a child near Tofino. Due to privacy concerns, few details are being released. But here's what we can tell you: the child suffered serious injuries on December 13th in the Tias Tanis community, located on the north end of Long Beach and home to members of the Clayoquot First Nation. The two-year-old girl was taken to hospital but died of her uh, died of their injuries died of her injuries on the 16th. Other children from the same home have now been temporarily placed elsewhere.
4: Our major crime is working with uh, the Tofino RCMP, Vancouver Island General Investigation Section, uh, BC Coroner Service and other child protection agencies uh, all in partnership on this matter to determine what um, what happened. Um, we have been in close contact with um members of the reserve that are in that area um, working together to come to some sort of determination of what ha- happened on December the thirteenth
0: just ahead the resolution to a terrible case of animal neglect We're dealing with the most vulnerable, most sick animals I've ever dealt with in the shelter. what's next for the woman who caused so much suffering?
2: Also tonight, new developments in the Butte Inlet landslide, unlocking the secrets of a natural disaster no one saw.
13: On the North Shore, eastbound Highway 1 is very congested as everyone leaves the mountains today and heads home. We've got delays from 22nd Street all the way to the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge on the upper levels, Highway 1. This week, save on hundreds of perfect gift ideas for everyone on your list at your local home hardware. Come home for Christmas and save big this holiday season. In Global One above Highway 1 in West Vancouver, I'm Amber Belzer.
2: We're learning more tonight about a massive landslide that happened in the coast mountains of B.C. The Hakai Institute, known for its long-term scientific research, released this video of their findings when they flew over the site. They say the landslide happened near Butte Inlet at Elliott Lake back on November 28th. The movement caused a shock that was equivalent to a magnitude 4.9 earthquake and sent 20 million cubic meters of material into the lake.
9: The whole area was just torn apart, so that almost everything that was living in that ecosystem, whether it would be the forests, whether it be the salmon that are in the, uh, in, in, in the in the in the in the creeks and, and the rivers, every living thing in that um, uh, that entire ecosystem is going to be uh, have um, you know significant impact from this event.
2: The Hakai Institute says it will continue to monitor and scan the area to see why this happened and if it's possible that it could happen again.
0: A rally is about to get underway in Surrey right around now to support a labor movement half a world away. The B.C. Federation of Labor is throwing its considerable support behind protesting farmers in India. Our Julia Foy is live with more on what this is all about and why it's attracting so much support here. Julia.
14: Well Chris, I'm here at the corner of Nordell and 120th in Delta and the horn honking has already begun. There's a small group of people with signs that are here gathered to show their support for Indian farmers. Now, a number of vehicles are expected to come and jam into this area over the next hour or two, all in solidarity. Now, this is just the latest protest. We've seen several over the last couple of weeks, including one as recently as Sunday, outside the offices of Facebook. And, of course, this all began about a month ago in India. Thousands of farmers walking, protesting, very concerned about new legislation that was brought in by the government that they feel will impact their livelihoods. Now one of the main reasons that this protest is different is that a number of members of local labor organizations have come and joined forces with them. And this is we had a chance to speak to Suzanne Skidmore just a few minutes ago about why they wanted to join the fight. You know the calls
1: on social media for local labor to show up and support these workers um, came we said yeah of course we support these workers we'll come out and support the local community activists who are out here on the streets and they've been out for like a month trying to build
11: solidarity for these workers
1: now if you live or travel through this area
14: expect it to be quite busy over the next couple of hours we'll be chatting with a few folks in the next little while and we'll bring you all the latest details later at 11 back to you
0: all right julia Foy in surrey thanks julia
2: A Princeton woman has been ordered to pay tens of thousands of dollars after nearly 100 animals were seized from her
0: property. Global Shelby Tom has more on the woman's history of neglect and why her fight to get the animals back is over.
15: This puppy is one of 97 animals seized by the BCSPCA from a Princeton property in September. Animal protection officers executed a warrant to remove 43 badly neglected puppies, 24 adult dogs, 27 horses and 3 cats.
3: We're dealing with the most vulnerable, most sick animals I've ever dealt with in the shelter.
15: The society says the animals were living in overcrowded, unsanitary conditions. Some kept on short chains with no visible access to water. Many animals were underweight or emaciated, suffering from a myriad of medical issues. The Animal Welfare Organization says given breeder Janet Fold's history of neglect, including 40 complaints spanning 14 years, as well as the lack of a proper care plan, her dogs, cats and horses would not be returned. Folds appealed that decision and fought to get them back. The appellant maintained that no animals were in distress on her property and all had been appropriately cared for, she told a hearing before the BC Farm Industry Review Board last month. But the BC SPCA disagreed. I feel that to describe the seized animals as healthy is akin to comparing the COVID pandemic to a mild flu, the society said. The review board sided with the SPCA dismissing the appeal. Saying it is not in the best interests of any of the animals to be returned.
4: We're happy for the animals because ultimately, at the end of the day, these animals will be finding new loving homes.
15: Foltz was also ordered to pay the extraordinary vent bills totaling more than $250,000.
4: A number of the puppies had parvo when they came into our care. Uh, I remember signing off on some of the bills that were $5,000 per dog.
15: The society says it is recommending criminal charges against folds. As for the animals, they have all been adopted. The BCSBCA is urging prospective pet owners to do their research and points to this case of severe animal neglect as a cautionary tale. Shelby Tom, Global
0: News. Up next, the looming COVID-19 lockdown in Ontario.
7: The people, it's going to be a big change for them. And we we
0: got to help the people. Why critics say the premier isn't moving fast enough.
2: And that fiery train derailment that stopped traffic on the I-5 just south of the border.
13: Good evening. The traffic on Highway 1 through Coquitlam is looking good on the approach to the Portman bridge deck. Just watch out for some fog here on the Coquitlam side, but it's much lighter than it is on the North Shore. Heavy delays headed east to the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. Kermac Collision and Autoglass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage. And Kermak donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermac Cares for Kids. In Global One above Highway 1 in Coquitlam, I'm Amber Belzer.
0: A train derailment near the Canadian border has forced an evacuation in Washington State. The train crashed near Custer in Watcom County just before noon, about 13 kilometers south of the Peace Arch border. Ten tank cars carrying crude oil went off the tracks. Three of them caught fire. No one was injured, but Interstate 5 was closed for an hour. The evacuation order has just been rescinded. The Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railway Company says the cause of the crash is under investigation. Last month, though, two women were charged with terrorism in Whatcom County for tampering with railway tracks.
2: In Ontario, there has been a lot of criticism from health care officials about the COVID-19 lockdown coming after Christmas.
0: With ICU numbers climbing, many are wondering why the province is waiting to take action.
7: Don't go to parties or social gatherings. Don't gather with people outside your immediate household, especially during the holidays.
16: Premier Doug Ford's ask ask of Ontarians a day after announcing the province would be put into lockdown on Boxing Day. The Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, highly critical of the timeline, saying in a statement, the government is failing Ontarians at a crucial moment when COVID-19 runs rampant. It is reckless that the measures are being delayed for several days. These measures should have been implemented weeks ago. People will read into that,
6: that uh, it's okay to meet up with their family and friends.
16: Ford was pressed again on the timeline.
7: We gave them a, an extra day or so just to get their life in order, get businesses in order, and and just give them an opportunity. But it's uh, the people, it's going to be a big change for them. And we we got to help the people.
16: Ottawa's mayor says he was caught off guard by the news he learned of it Sunday evening via media reports on Twitter.
10: What I've tried to do over the course of the last 24 hours is advocate for the best case scenario is that we uh, remain uh, in the same status because uh, that is a recognition that we are following the rules and doing a very good job at it. And if that was not possible, at the very least, put us on the same level plateau as northern Ontario.
7: Just imagine if I said, OK, let's open up Ottawa and forget everyone else. Twofold. People are going to flock to Ottawa by the way they are, because I've talked to someone in, in uh, the business of the hotels, and they said their hotel's packed. And then Gatineau uh, would be flooding over here.
16: Shalima Maharaj, Global News. Well, there has been no shortage of drama following President Donald Trump's
2: loss to Joe Biden, including repeated attempts to overturn the results of the election with endless legal pursuits. But with those options all but exhausted, Trump is now looking to lawmakers and conspiracy theorists for advice. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest.
17: As the clock ticks on the Trump administration, the president is grasping at straws to stay in power, and it's leaving him to rely on outsider advice even as his own legal team moves in another direction. And we
2: are going to reclaim the
17: United States of America. On Monday, Trump also met with fringe Republicans to strategize jamming up the process when Congress certifies Biden's win in January.
2: We aren't going to let this election be stolen by Joe Biden and the
18: Democrats.
17: Republicans can force debate, but the numbers simply aren't on their side, and it doesn't have full-party support.
10: Our country has officially a president elect. And a vice president-elect.
17: Trump's strong-arm approach is playing Republicans off of each other, keeping loyalists in line.
0: Republicans are following the sore loser lead of Donald Trump, and that's dangerous in and of itself.
17: For the president, loyalty is key. His vice president has demonstrated it repeatedly, but now faces the ultimate test. Are there any senators in the chamber? As leader of the Senate, Pence has to formally announce Biden's win, which Trump might see as betrayal and could impact Pence's presidential aspirations.
0: He has created no distance between himself and Trump over four years. This is an opportunity for him to let a little tiny bit of daylight uh, shine through.
17: Amid the chaos and turmoil, an attempt at unifying a divided nation.
10: It's time to unite. to heal, to rebuild, we're going to continue to push as hard as we can. As Trump's
17: efforts remain self-serving and he works to stack the cards against the incoming president, Joe Biden expressed sympathies to Americans who have lost so much throughout the year and promised to create an agenda that works for all, despite the fact he doesn't have full bipartisan support. Reggie Chikini, Global News,
0: Washington. In health matters tonight, the pandemic is not going to stop Santa's mission to give sick kids a reason to smile this holiday season.
6: Oh, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas!
0: For the first time in the 16-year history of Santa flights, old Saint Nick won't be able to stroll the halls of pediatric wards with Christmas presents. Instead, the jolly old elf and his entourage from BCEHS and Helijet took to the skies to make sure kids who are spending the holidays at a hospital have something special to unwrap.
6: Oh, Santa wants so much to visit these children in hospital. It would be wonderful, but we have to be safe. The one thing I want all the children in hospital to realize is that no matter where you are, Santa won't forget you.
0: Santa dropped off the delivery on the helipad at BC Children's Hospital before setting out to other facilities. The gifts will be handed out by staff later
6: this week.
2: Coming up, Santa gets, gets the greatest gift ever.
6: Uh, we got the call that there was a, a new heart available for me.
2: How this jolly old elf survived a brush with death.
0: And
6: coming up in sports, the kid from Cultus Lake whose
0: career is going downhill fast. Quite an emotional day for a Kelowna single mom.
2: A car dealership in West Kelowna gave her and her children the gift of a new set of wheels and with it, a fresh start. Jordan Lucas is a former addict who used to live on the street but has worked hard to rebuild her life. Without a vehicle, she was taking her baby to daycare on the bus and then heading to work herself. But this new vehicle is not only helping her get around, volunteers also packed it full of Christmas gifts to make sure her holiday is bright.
13: It's, it's gonna be able to help me with my job. <laughs> it's going to be able to help me get my daughter to daycare and to have access to my other daughter even more. And it's just, it's proof to know that, like, I've come this far.
19: And, you know, it's one of those things that <laughs> people don't realize uh, how much you need a car until you don't have one. Today, we're changing that and giving her a step up Then, happy to do it. So it's a great
0: day. Oh, that's sweet. The little girl looks like Cindy Lou, who?
19: She does. Those
0: little pigtails. Exactly. That is what you call Farfagnugin, I guess. Folks, wait. You remember that? You oh, remember yeah. The, remember the what thing? was it again? Farfagnugin. So what did it... Uh, man, it was like a general good feeling of enjoyable driving.
2: Oh, oh. right. I did. That was their campaign, that right?
0: That was their campaign.
2: <laughs> I thought it was hair sticking up. <laughs> <laughs>
18: Could have been no. That
0: too. <laughs> all right Yvonne's here with a look at uh, at the weather and oh wow what a beautiful look at the mountains this morning
18: yeah what a difference the day makes we had a significant amount of snow and this was some uh, video that was captured by our cameraman Pat Bell it was gorgeous out there tough gig for him today but it was spectacular uh, with the fresh snow on the mountains with many of the local mountains seeing upwards of 20 centimeters and if you're traveling in the mountain passes we had a range between 45 and 70 centimeters quick glance of what we did see today on Mount Seymour. Another gorgeous shot. This one was captured by Gail. Snowshoeing today. Eagle Mountain early this morning, taken by Luke. And in Chilliwack, stunning out there. We had a few spots as well with gorgeous shots showing us the fog. We've got dry conditions right now. Temperatures are sitting at 2. It is going to cool off overnight, chilly. Keep in mind, we're down to minus 1. We're seeing a nice break now for the southern half of the province. A ridge of high pressure is building in, but this next weather maker is taking aim along the north coast, and we've got a few watches and warnings. Mornings. The bulk of the rain is going to start to fall overnight leading in towards the morning hours and inland tomorrow. We do have snow and a significant amount accumulating through the day and a few spots continuing towards Thursday. Now. Here's the following warnings that are in red. That's the wind warning. White, that's where we're seeing the snow. For the north coast, southeasterly, 70 and up to 90 kilometers per hour. Snowfall, Kitimat, areas near that area up to 15 centimeters through the day, easing off tomorrow night. And areas near Stewart could see up to 30 centimeters, and that'll taper off through the day on Thursday. So a heads up, wet and windy, but snow inland, heavy at times along the northern half of the province. That's where we're seeing the action for tomorrow. It's a mainly cloudy sky across the central interior. Much of the southern half, a nice break, especially if you're traveling along the mountain passes. A clearing with some sunshine in the mix. We're looking at fog once again for many spots across the south coast and that cloud cover. It'll be for the morning hours. And then as we get in towards the afternoon, sunny. So far looking ahead on Christmas Day. It looks like we may have rain late in the day. And a blustery one with a few flurries popping up on our Saturday. All right, tonight's central windows, weather window a gorgeous shot, and a fun one. This one was captured in Saanichetan. So thank you so much, much, Marie. Cool.
0: She's getting creative there. Mm -hmm. I like it.
2: All right, Squire is here. What you got for us, Squire?
20: Well, yesterday we showed you how uh, BC's Reese Howden won gold in a World Cup ski cross event. It was more than I uh, kind of hoped for 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 this race. And now he's on top of the overall standings, which I also think is more than he hoped for at this
0: point in the season. Also coming up after surviving a health scare, this mall Santa gets back to doing what he loves. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Terry's chocolate orange, the one you smack on the table.
0: That's the one. That's one of the great stocking stuffers of all time. Replaced now by after eights in our household anyway, but why not both? Good point.
20: <laughs> Let's move on to Squire now. After rates are also a strong move. Strong, ovasions, move. strong move. Ovation chocolate mint sticks. Mm-hmm. That's good too. Uh, no word yet on what the various medical health officers around this country think of the NHL's rules and ideas to keep players and team officials safe and the public safe in the upcoming NHL season. We should know this week before Christmas... And we'll see if they all give the go-ahead or if only a few of them give the go-ahead. Now when Canada faces Russia in their only pre-tournament exhibition game for the World Juniors tomorrow, Devin Levi will be Canada's starting goalie. This doesn't mean he'll be the main goalie throughout the tournament, but he gets the best chance to stake his claim at being number one. And to get him ready for it, he got a phone call from a former star goalie, one that we all know pretty well
9: one of the one of the biggest messages or most touching messages i got was from roberto luongo he he works with the florida panthers right now and that's that's where i'm drafted and we've been in contact past few weeks and he's talked to me multiple times and the biggest message he he told me that that really stuck out to me was enjoy the moment there might be a lot of pressure but you only get to live that pressure once and pressure is a privilege so i'm just super excited and his uh his message, his, match, his message really, really touched me. Just enjoy the moment.
20: Speaking of enjoying the moment and pressure and all that sort of thing, Steve Nash's first game as a Brooklyn Nets head coach. The NBA season is underway, and he has a healthy Kevin Durant at his disposal, and that means an easy win over Golden State in Game 1. His former team, Golden State, Kevin Durant, just dropped 22 on them. Not a huge number, but he only played 25 minutes. This team, if he stays healthy, and if Kyrie Irving keeps his head together, it's going to be tough to beat in the East. Uh, Reece Howden of Coltis Lake is fast becoming one of the top ski-cross racers in the world. Now ski-cross is a sport that Canada's done pretty well at. In the three Olympic games of ski-cross, we've always won gold with the women. We also have two silver on the women's side. On the men's side, just one gold in the Olympics, but our men's team is getting much better at the World Cup level, and Howden is one of its stars. Attention! For me,
9: pretty much, I wanted to get it into the semifinals at every race if, if, if I could. Um, reason being, you know, that just, the more times you get in, the more chances you do have of getting into the big final.
10: Mission accomplished for Cultus Lake's Reese Howden. Not only did he make it into the finals of the World Cup ski cross races in France, for the most part, Reese was front of the pack in both races. Reese winning silver on Sunday and then capturing gold on Monday. Not a bad way for the 22-year-old to finish off the calendar race year.
9: Yeah, no, I'm super excited about it, and it was it was it was more than I uh, kind of hoped for 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 this race. You know, it was definitely exceeded my goals coming into this season.
10: Now, that might sound strange coming from Howden, who currently sits atop the Men's World Cup ski cross standings and who also has his sights set on the Olympics, until you realize that up until the start of the current race season, Reese was a part-time racer and full-time student.
9: And I finished a geomatics diploma. Um, so right now, I guess my title would be I'm a geomatics engineering technologist. So what that gives me the, the ability to pretty much be a land surveyor.
10: For someone whose athletic pursuit is conquering the topography in front of him, sounds like the perfect fit. And Reese's timing couldn't be better.
9: This year, actually, we started to use some kind of high tech sensors and GPS positioning systems. So we have a little sensor that goes on our back, and um, that gives us um, speed. Uh, Acceleration, location, and things like that in reference to whichever ski Cross track that we're on.
10: Call it an ongoing geometrics thesis on skis. Owner Reese Howden's authored two wins and a second place finish in 2020.
9: When you're on top, you just, the plan is to try and stay there, of course.
20: Jay Janower, Global Sports. This is goal number 644 for Lionel Messi in a Barcelona uniform and that means he has now scored more goals for a club team, one club team that is, than any player in history. He broke the record he had held with Pelé who scored 643 for Santos but at 644 in Barcelona his first goal was way back in 2005 when he was 17. There you go.
0: Special player. Thanks very much Squire.
2: Up next, we know Santa has a big heart, and now he has a new heart.
0: Kids, as Santa Claus is busy making his list for his trip from the North Pole later this week, his many helpers are also busy making last-minute preparations.
2: And one man who's played a big role in helping Santa here in Vancouver has a lot to be grateful for. Ted Field explains.
19: It's the time of year Santa is usually getting ready for his big sleigh ride, but 2020 has been different. Santa's friend Chris Pedler is just happy to be here after suffering from congestive heart failure.
6: I had uh, actually... Uh, uh, Passed away uh, uh, for 10 minutes and they revived me.
19: Doctors told him to get his affairs in order, but he said there had to be another way and he was referred to St. Paul's Hospital. They put him on a ventricle assist device to keep him alive and last year he did Santa duties at the hospital.
6: And I tucked my VAD underneath my outfit here and uh, and all the cords that go with it and uh, nobody was uh, any the wiser no, None of the kids ever knew that uh, I had uh, any heart problems at all.
19: Then, just after Christmas, he got the call. A new heart was available, and he had a transplant. He wants to thank the family who gave that amazing gift.
6: You've given me the opportunity to, to live a new life and to be able to spread the magic of Christmas to all the boys and girls and families
1: it's just really special. It's an incredible gift. And, um, you know, I, I feel lucky to be working in, in this position with these patients.
19: And Mrs. Claus is pretty happy to have Santa around.
8: Be thankful for all the things that you have.
19: Ted Field,
0: Global News. Ho, ho, ho! (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) A couple of cardiologists on the nice list. Oh, they always sure, are. For sure. They always yeah. are, but that's a little insurance, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> all right, final word on the weather. More sunshine, Yvonne?
18: Yeah, we just have fog for the morning. It'll be chilly over the next 2 and then sunshine for the afternoon. It should be dry for Santa on Thursday night, Christmas Eve, and then on Friday for Christmas Day, we may have a few showers, a few sprinkles out there.
0: All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne, and thank you for watching. Have a great night, everybody.
18: Good night all.